Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Anyway, today I want to, I want to, of course, talk to you a little bit about what I feel like is a very important issue in our day, which I'm, I'll address it in just a minute. But I, I want to start out just mentioning uh, what a great mom Mary was. You know, we, we think about Mary as, you know, she's so blessed. She was the mother of our Savior. We think about that Christmas story. Oh, what a wonderful thing. They're out there, you know. And of course, we imagine it maybe with snow coming down. And it's just a beautiful evening and there are animals there. And it's just a magical moment when it really it really wasn't like that. You know, it was a huge, huge sacrifice for her. It really was. Uh, you know, having that child was going to change her life, make life very difficult. She wasn't married and she was pregnant. That back then would have been would have been a very, very difficult thing. She was engaged to be married and she was going to be pregnant. And it would have been obvious to him that wasn't his baby. So she was risking her engagement. She was risking her relationship. Again, that's a pretty big issue right there. And it was it was difficult. She was going to have to come home to parents who wouldn't understand as a as a pregnant young lady. Uh, she was poor. How was she going to survive in life? How would her children be taken care of? Even if her fiancé were to agree to marry her, how, how is that going to happen? Because he's also very poor. I mean, this, this was going to put her in a very difficult kind of situation. And beyond all that, she was also very young. She was probably around 13 years old, and she is pregnant. Now, I believe that for any mom, for any mom, uh, having a child is a huge, huge sacrifice. It just is. It starts that way. starts out that way. You've got the uh, discomfort of the pregnancy. You've got the pain of childbirth. I once told my wife, hey, I, I had a kidney stone. I think that's worse than having a baby. And she almost knocked me into the next room. She said, you, what do you mean? Anyway, you have the chain of childbirth. You've got the toil on the body and what it does to the body. You've got the losing time at work. And um, it can be more difficult to get a job, you know, uh, if, if, if you're pregnant or if you have, have to juggle around your hours with your children and how you're going to take care of your children. Then you've got to figure out what to do with your children, particularly before they go to school. I mean, so many things you've got to do. And then you've got all the time, the energy, and the expense that it's going to take to raise that child. You know, uh, most parents are going to be extremely responsible for their children up until they're at least 18. And, um, you know, even beyond that, they, they're going to carry them in their hearts. So, you know, I think if you if you consider it a, a motherhood done the way it's intended, I mean, anybody that's going to commit to being a, a, a mom, I mean, that's one of the most loving, unselfish and courageous things that a woman could do. And I believe that even though it's difficult um, and requires so much and is a huge sacrifice, it's one of the most fulfilling things that a mom could do she's investing her time 
into other lives, pouring herself into them. She loves them so much. She's pouring her love into those children. And those children will always have something of the mother in them. And she'll always feel connected to them. She rejoices in their successes more than her own. She's always just thinking about her children. That's just the way a a mom's wired. And I believe that the care that a mom gives her children when they're young sort of plants that in her uh, for the rest of her life and for the children's lives. Now, uh, we see this in motherhood, but I, I just want to bring that out a little bit and say for every single one of us, life isn't in the things we have, the opportunities we have, how well educated we get to be, how much. I'm not saying these things have no value whatsoever, but I'm just saying there's things that are more important even than these things that are more life giving. Um, Jesus Jesus said, the greatest among you, the one that's greatest, and I believe this is the one who's discovered more about what life's about. It says it's, it's the one that's going to serve other people. And that's what a mom does. That's what she does with her children all the time. So there's greatness in that. There's greatness in being a mom. And, um, you know, Jesus also said, there's no greater love than to lay your life down for your friends. Again, I think there's an element of laying your life down for your children that's there. There's something about laying your life down that a mom does over and over and over for her children. So I want to say thanks again to all the moms out there. Thanks again to the moms here. Yay. Um, you know, we, we appreciate all that you do, even though uh, I'm sure it's not always appreciated. Sometimes, you know, children have to be 40, 50, 60 years old before they go, well, you know what? You're pretty smart. You, you know, you did a lot for us. We didn't realize it in, until we became parents or until we got older. Now, I just I want us to think about Mary and if she were in our generation today. Uh, and I want to get off into some other things today that I feel like are very important for us to talk about. But if Mary lived in our generation today, I really fully believe she'd be advised to not go through with it. Think about it again. She's unmarried. She's poor. She's young. There's no welfare system. There's going to be a huge shame associated with it. It will seem to be a huge setback for her life. I can hear a lot of people that would be counseling her would say things like, this is going to be way too difficult for you. There's no way anyone would expect you to go through with this. You're not going to be able to provide well for this child. You're going to miss out on a lot in life if you do this. There's going to be a lot of shame associated with this. And it's very likely your fiancé probably won't want to marry you and won't understand. So from this kind of reasoning, and I'm, I'm sure you can connect that with the thoughts of today, you can see abortion can be a very rational-seeming decision, can't it? You, you see, particularly in a situation like that. 
But the question, and I believe this is the big question, is it might be rational, but is it moral and would it be a good thing? And I, I really believe that's the question of our day. Abortion is taken front and center stage again, hadn't it, right? So we got the big Roe versus Wade thing coming up. It's all in the news this past week. I guess it was the most major news this past week. And, um, you know, so Roe versus Wade, if, if that's reversed, what happens? The decision goes back to the states. And they say, as things stand, there'd be 25 states that are probably going to be pro-abortion and, uh, and 25 states that are not. Uh, that, that's what it looks like. But anyway, it's a very um, difficult topic for a lot of people. Um, but I believe we can't avoid the topic. We have to look at it. And as believers, what are we required to do as believers? Seek the Lord through his word, through prayer, get his wisdom, understand what the word says, and then we conform to it. I've had many instances in my life where the Lord would lead me into something or I might realize something is true. And maybe for a while I want to argue against it and try to look at some other angle. But if I'm honest um, with God and I keep seeking the Lord, God ends up winning me over, right? And and I'm committed to doing things the way I believe God wants me to do because the Word of God teaches us our minds are messed up, our hearts are messed up, our thoughts are messed up, our ways, the way we do things, the way we think's right is messed up. Remember, good's going to be called evil, and evil good in our natural way of thinking, we will see certain things as being good and that aren't good, and we'll see other things as being um, bad that are actually good, you, you see. And so we have to renew our mind by the washing of the Word of God, by thinking through things and meditating through things and humbling ourselves before the Lord. Because God says, my ways aren't your ways, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. They're higher. They're higher. And sometimes we have to agree with that, and we have to submit to it without necessarily even understanding it. But I will guarantee you this, God's ways are better than ours. And when we do things God's ways, we get blessed for it. He said this to his people, when you do what I say, even though you don't understand it, that becomes your wisdom. That's an interesting statement to me because the, the, he's not saying you have to completely understand how everything is going to work out. You need to understand what the word says and obey it. And then and then you see as it progresses, wow, that was so wise. Just do what my word says, and that's your wisdom, the word of God says. Anyway, um, so we need to go into the word and discover what the word of God says. So uh, come with me today and let's reason together. Amen? Through the word of God. All right, so. As I mentioned, I believe one of the major questions with abortion is, is the baby a person? Is the baby a person yet? Can we consider that a, a living being? Um, Pro-lifers would say that's the main point. Um, this is a person. This is a life. And so abortion takes a living being 
and a completely innocent life that can't defend itself um, and terminates it, okay? So if someone believes the pro-life argument and they believe that a child in the womb is a living person, I believe that would be an extremely honorable position to stand up for that person that can't stand up for themselves, whether it's disliked or not. And I hope you'd agree with that. That makes sense, doesn't it, everyone? Um, even though others disagree, if you believe that's the person, um, it's very honorable for you to stand up for that. Some arguments by the pro-choice group don't seem to understand that that is the pro-life argument. And uh, I'll mention some of the arguments here, and you've probably heard of them. And some of these arguments may, may um, be actually true, but are they addressing the, the question? And are they address, addressing the question that we asked earlier? Uh, anyway, let me give you some of these arguments that come from the pro-choice side that I, I don't believe un, are addressing the pro-life question, okay? Um, here are some. Um, you're not going to take care of this child, so you don't have a say-so. You know, how can you, how can you tell me to keep this child when you're not going to be willing to take care of, okay? Um, another, they're not your children, or it's not your child. You're not the one who's affected, so it's not your business, okay? Y'all hear these kind of things, right? Um, this child might be brought into an environment where it's not wanted. Do you not know that children are abused today because of being born in a situation where they're not wanted? All right. Another one, um, you're not thinking about the difficulty that the mom's having to go through. You're not empathizing with the mother, right? So, another one is, is um, what if the parents don't have resources to provide? Would you want a child born into an environment where there are no resources, where there's no provision, where they have to be poor? Certainly, you don't want a child born into poverty, right? Now, all of these questions and um, concerns, so to speak, have been brought up. But I want to ask you to think about this just for a moment. And if the child is a person, do any of these concerns and statements validate or give us a rationale for abortion to, to terminate the child? And when you're trying to think through this, I want you to consider all of those statements. Did y'all get all those? Yeah. And to make sure, I'll read them again. Um, consider all of these statements would also be true, perhaps, for an older child. Are y'all with me? All of these statements that I just read, those particular ones in that group of, of statements, can be applied also to ch children already born. Three years old, five years old, seven years old. Eight. Okay, let me give you an example. 
let's say a mom wants to kill. I know this sounds crazy, but it's an example just to illustrate the point. Let's say a mom wants to kill her five-year-old, and you protest. How can you kill your five-year-old? That is crazy. You know, little Bobby, little Jimmy, little whatever his name is. What are you thinking? And then what would you think if she looks to you and says, you're not going to take care of it, so you don't have a right to say a thing about it? Do you see what I'm saying? What if she were to say, they're not your children and it's not your life that's being affected. It's not your business. You see what I'm saying? It's not addressing the issue, right? And what if the mother goes, they're in an environment where they're not really wanted. I mean, my husband, he doesn't, he actually hit him last week. And surely you don't want him to be in an environment like that. Right? Would that justify killing him? How about this? You're not thinking about the difficulty that I'm having to go through by having him. You just don't know what it's like. What would you see what I'm saying? And and you don't know how bad it is with my finances. I don't have the money. It's hard. I can hardly even feed him. Would any of those make you go, oh, I understand. I, you're right. You should just kill him. You wouldn't say that, right? Now, back up now, and I want, I want you to think about this. If, if these aren't valid reasons to terminate a five-year-old or an eight-year-old, why would they be valid reasons to terminate a child right before he comes out of the womb or while he's pre-born at any stage, really? Why would that be valid? Only if you believe it's not a person yet. Is that not true? If it's a person, if it's a person, a person five years old is just, just like the person that's pre-born. If they're both people, the atrocity of killing one is just the same as killing the other. So I think that the first question we ought to look at, and as believers, uh, people who respect the Bible, we should look at in the Bible, um, is the child in the womb a person yet? Right? Is the child in the womb a person yet? And, um, you know, is it an innocent life that's being taken? So let's go back to the story with Mary. All right? If y'all remember the story, Christ, before he was here, where was he? In heaven with God, right? And he was sent to earth. Right? When was he sent to earth? I want to just say Jesus was not sent after the body came out of Mary. Jesus wasn't waiting in heaven. And he's waiting until the last part of the body comes out. Even the head, everything has to come out to consider it a human. And when he's fully out, then he goes, the father goes, now! And Jesus, boom, comes into the body. It didn't happen that way. Do y'all see what I'm saying? And I want you to think about your own lives. Do you, th- do you realize that you're more than just flesh? There's a you on the inside of you. Have you ever thought, I wish I had a different body? Right? 
You ever, or I wish I were more this or that. But hardly anybody says, I wish I was a different person in the sense of the essence of who I am. Do you, do you see what I mean? I wish I were more talented. I were more skilled. You're not saying that the body is you, but there's an inner you. You know, you can say, I wish I were somebody else. What you mean is you wish you, the inner you, were in some other situation in another person. Do you understand? But if, if that weren't to be there, then that's just a completely different person. And you could perhaps think about you being in another body, can't you? You, know, you see what I mean? Because you realize the real you isn't just the body. That makes sense, doesn't it? So that's the way it was with Jesus. And when did he come? At conception. At conception is when, the, when Jesus' life came. What does the Bible say? The Word uh, was, in the beginning, the Word what? Was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in a f- few verses later, it says, And the Word became flesh. It became human. That's really a huge, huge mystery. But how'd that happen? I believe the way it happened is God gave the word to the messenger, angel Gabriel. He spoke the word. He spoke the word to Mary. Mary believed the word. She believed the word and received the word. And the word became flesh. That's a real big mystery. But when did it happen? When she, when she heard the word and became pregnant. Jesus was there. Had she aborted, let's say, whenever, between there and when the baby was born, would it have been not the Son of God? No, she would have aborted the Messiah. Does that make sense? It, I think that's really common sense there. It's, it's just a logical way of looking at things. So she visited her re- relative Elizabeth when she was pregnant. Okay, and if you remember, her relative Elizabeth is also pregnant with who? John the Baptist. Okay, now when she comes to meet Elizabeth, Elizabeth says this, why is, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe, the babe, meaning John, leaped in my womb for joy. Now, what does she say here? She calls Mary already the mother of our Lord. Mary at this time is considered a mother. Um, And she calls the baby my Lord. What's Jesus at that time? He's about 12 weeks old at that time, right? What did John do in her womb? He leapt at at something that came out of Mary. Now, even today, uh, doctors and whatnot and people that research this say that 
Babies in the womb will respond to things and they sense things. I don't understand how that works because I can't go back and be a baby and experiment with that and say, oh, it was like this. I can't remember when I was a baby. But I know, for example, when I dream, my, my life is open to a different world. Have you ever thought that maybe that when you're preborn, that it might be somewhat sort of similar to a spiritual world, like a dream where you're there, but you're connected at a different level? Then I mean, they say that children are so responsive to joy, to uh, other things, that you can sing to them, and it affects them even when they're in the womb. But anyway, this baby leapt, and he responded to something in Mary and her carrying Jesus. And uh, so he was sensitive, and she was approximately six months pregnant. It says in Luke one fifteen of John, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Even while he's still in the womb of his mother, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How that happened, I don't know, but the Bible says it does. It did. Amen? So, so far, we can see that children, even in the womb, have an individual identity. Jesus was Jesus. John was John, so to speak. They had a uh, personhood already. They had a unique purpose already. Jesus had a purpose even at conception. That which was conceived had purpose. John had purpose. That which was conceived there, there was purpose all over it, right? And, all, and both are precious to God. Now, I want to say something that I believe is very important. Every child, you see, Jesus said something once. He goes, Father, let them know that you love them just the way you love me. That's hard for us to, to grasp. That really is hard. But every child that's conceived, God the Father loves them so immensely. They're all important to Him. It doesn't matter what color, what religious background they're born into, what nation. God loves every child, every conceived child. And I believe he has a desire and a purpose for every, every one of them. I believe he loves every single one of them and they're important to him. Now, that passage should be enough to sort of like convince us. I'll just mention a couple of other ones um, briefly here. Galatians 1.15, Paul says, God set me apart even from my mother's womb. He's saying, even while I was in my mother's womb, God's going, boom, I'm going to use you for that. You see, he, he saw what, his circumstances, and he called him even from his mother's womb. Jeremiah one fifteen, a very great mystery. Before I even I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm one thirty nine thirteen, and the next couple of verses. You're the one who put me together inside my mother's body, and I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. Everything you do is marvelous. Of this, I have no doubt. Nothing about me is, is hidden from you. 
I was secretly woven together out of human sight, but with your own eyes you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything about me. So he was saying, in the womb, he existed as an individual, he was unique, and he had purpose, and he was important to God, even while he was in the womb. All right? It's a great mystery. But I do believe that the Word of God shows us that a child is important. I know there's a lot of other questions, and we're not going to answer all of them, but I believe you all have to start out with that as a um, foundation point for all the other answers. Yes, but, okay, we have a, yes, a lot of yes buts, but let's start out with that at the foundation of whatever we go to, okay? Does that make sense? Um, now, for some people, this is so crazy. For some people, it's not about whether it's a life or not. Um, Y'all may remember, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe two years ago, the then governor of Virginia proposed that um, a mother could abort the baby even after it was born, which I don't know if that's the right word. I think it should just be called terminate at that time. But he said, well, you can have the baby. He said, we'll keep it comfortable and peaceable. There'll be no pain. And then the mother can decide if you want it. Now, I don't see how in the world somebody could come up with that. But why did he, why did he even bring that forth? Because he believed a lot of people would accept it. And actually, people did accept that way of thinking. But let me just ask you this. Is that not a crazily, I mean, uh, clear that that's a child? Even if you don't know the Bible, should that not be clear that that's a child? How far have we gone? When darkness starts and when darkness is embraced and when the Word of God doesn't have input, darkness gets darker. And let me just mention this. Do y'all remember what? I don't even know how popular this is now, but do y'all remember even before that, a lot of doctors were doing partial birth abortions. What, what is that? You take the child, he's brought out feet first, everything comes out except the head. So legally, the doctor can say he's not born yet because the head is still in the womb of the mom. And while the head is still there and the baby's kicking, he's moving around, the doctor sticks tweezers in the back part of his neck and snips something and boom, kills the baby and then pulls the baby out and said, he's aborted, right? Do y'all see what I'm saying? How can any doctor do that? And how can you say, well, it's not a real life. Anybody with common sense can look at that baby with your own eyes and see him moving around and squirming, and you go, that is a person right there that you just killed. It's clear. Maybe it wasn't clear to me before, but when I see that, oh no, that's a live person. You see, and if you've ever seen pictures of babies that have been aborted, I mean, you're going, those are little people. Those are people. And there can be masses of them. 
and I mean, it it it's phenomenal when you see it. It makes you more aware of it. If you ever hear about the the Jewish Holocaust, you can go, oh wow, that's really bad. They did that. But then if you watch a movie or you see the story or you see those pictures and you empathize with it, you go, oh, wow, it was horrible. Right. Because it made it more real to you. And I think what happened, what's happened is. If it's out of your mind and you don't see it, it's like it's not there. But the baby is very real. God sees the baby. The baby is real there anyway. So. um. Going on from there, uh, a lot of people would say um, it's really about choice. I don't I don't believe in abortion, but I believe everybody could have the right to choose is what is said. Right now. We can't get into all of these things and talk about everything, but again, I believe there have to be fundamental truths that we build other decisions on rather than the kinds of things that I was mentioning earlier that some people say as a defense. Um, it should be thought through and talked through uh, rather than uh, calling people names, questioning motives. It should be about truth. All right, so here we go. Uh, so some are saying it's about choice. Everybody should have a right to choose. Now, I want you to think about this. I know it's an extremely difficult, painful unjust, unfair situation so many times. But again, the word shows us, and I believe it's clear when you see things, that is a person. So whatever you decide, that needs to be in mind. That's a person, okay? Now, just pertaining to this idea of choice, um, I, I just want to give you a little example to help you think about it. Years ago, there were some states in America that um, wanted to, they f formed a union, uh, a, a Confederate union. And uh, these southern states were going to allow slavery. They weren't going to force people and to have slaves, many people in the South didn't believe in slavery themselves, right? So they weren't going to force slavery. And, and the Confederacy publicly said, this isn't about slavery, it's about rights. And of course, applying that to slavery, if you choose to have slaves and you believe that it's right, it's your decision. But we're not condoning slavery. And Jefferson Davis, the head of the Confederacy, tried to make that clear to everybody. Oh, this is not about, the, you know, um, continuing slavery. It's not. But every state in the Union had to allow it in, in the Confederate Union. So other people would have said, well, we believe in rights, but you don't have a right to do something that's going to trample on the rights of somebody else, even though it may inconvenience you for some reason. Now, the response could have been something like this. Well, I personally 
believe slavery is fine. I feel perfectly good about it. It doesn't bother my conscience whatsoever. I'm even going to brag about having slaves. Don't impose your religious beliefs on me. Slavery is practiced all over the world. And since they're slaves, they're lesser people than we are, and it's okay. Right? That is, I hope you can sort of extrapolate that into the current day situation to see how, yes, rights are important. We should all have to choose. But look what happens when our choices affect someone else's life. You, do you see what I'm saying there? Now, I just I want to say I personally believe slavery um, was the core issue of the Civil War. Um, I believe it was the reason the curse of the Civil War came on this nation. Think about it. Look at what all people are thinking they're getting out of slavery. And look what it brought on this nation. Are y'all, you see what I'm saying? I believe that it did that. And um, the leaders tried to make it about other issues. The leaders tried to say, and, and the um, big certain big influencers in, in society um, making money off of it. Oh, it's not about that. It's about some, something else. Um, that You know, to get the uh, Southern people to fight. They're not going to say, oh, you're fighting to preserve slavery. It was some other things were promoted and brought forth. Um, and I'm, it's just my opinion. I believe it's just smoke and mir- mirrors. And uh, I believe that the heart of what was happening was really, it was all about slavery. That's my personal opinion. And though there were other issues, again, I think that those other issues, just like today, they weren't the main issue. And uh, I would, uh, I, by the way, I want you to think about this. Abortion is also a big industry. There's a lot of money in abortion. Not just in giving the abortions, but a lot more, I believe, in selling the body parts of those babies that are aborted. That's the craziest thing. Now, that ought to be illegal also. Anyway, and um, I'll mention another one. Uh, someone says, well, I don't agree with it, but it ought to be legal so that it's safe. And, of course, the funny thing someone said is, well, somebody always dies in the middle of an abortion. At least one dies, so it's not safe. Um, but I, I do understand what's being said there, but let me, let me just mention this. Once anything is legalized, it begins to have a powerful effect on society and begins to darken the minds of all of society. And I think if you, you can think of other immoral things that have become legal, once it becomes legal, yes, people are doing evil things all around. But when you legalize it, what are you doing? You're taking responsibility for it before God. And you're telling people, we're condoning this. You, you see, you're taking away the it's wrong. We, we don't believe this is a good thing aspect of it. Um, and if you, you realize the legalization of abortion has proved to increase the rate of abortion. So once abortion was legalized, it didn't just made it sa- make it safe. Boom. Now it's just promoted. It's now such a casual thing. Do you want to have that child or not? What if you don't want to go get an abortion? It, the, the attitude has completely changed. 
the highest rate. Now, this is a side item. I know this is a little bit off the beaten path of what I'm talking about today. I, uh, I thought it was important to mention the highest rate of abortion is among African-Americans. And not just single mom African-Americans, among married uh, African-Americans versus um, other races, is four times the rate of abortion. I believe that started out with a purpose. And if you've ever studied the history of Planned Parenthood, for example, you'll see Margaret Sanger, who was a very known racist and whose history has been written down and it's too late to erase it. Um, she's the one who founded Planned Parenthood and Planned Parenthood now tries to back away from her. Oh, you know, we, we, we are, you know, we don't do things. We don't believe what she, she, she believed and, you know, we don't associate with that anymore. But there was never a separating from the practices. In other words, there was never, oh, when we discovered this, we changed the way we... No, it came... This is what the thing came out of. And I just mentioned a couple of things, like she said in a KKK speech, by the way, where she's advocating a eugenics approach to breeding for the gradual suppression, elimination, and extinct, extinct, extinction of defective stocks. That's what she called it, the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stocks, human weeds, which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. Now, she's talking to a KKK group. Who do you think she's referring to? Just think about it. She is the one who founded Planned Parenthood. It had a different name that I don't recall what it was at that time. What was the goal, do you think? I mean, use your brain. Just think about it. Her explanation for birth control, by the way, it's not the way we think about it. Her explanation of birth control is controlling birth so that uh, the, the right kind of people are multiplying and the wrong kind of people are not multiplying. And she said, give them the option and they will eliminate themselves. <laughs> that almost just makes, it's just like, that is just crazy amazing right there. Anyway, started to move on from that point, but just think about that. That's at the core of something. People move away from it. But is it not the spirit of things that started? And is it not still having an impact just the way it started? I mean, just think about that, okay? And lastly, as I've said before, legalization makes it accountable to God. If we legalize it, then our land becomes guilty of shedding innocent blood, and it brings a curse on us, just like slavery did. I believe a whole bunch of mess we have in this nation is because of the blood of 63-plus million children that have been legally protected by our laws, aborted in this nation. That's amazing. 63 million. So, anyway, I, I know you might not agree with what I said today, but I believe it's clearly from the Word of God. And I would encourage you, don't be angry at me. If you're angry at me, that's okay. But go to the Word of God. Think about 
the Scriptures. Consider what I said today and pray through it. And ask God, and just be willing before God, Lord, if, uh, if abortion's wrong, if that's a life, I want to know it. I believe it's absolutely a life. I would just say that very boldly to you. Abortion does take a living person. Does that mean that I don't have compassion toward the person who's going through that? Absolutely not. Do I have all the answers? No. It's a difficult, hard situation. We need to help with good answers. But we need to start out with the knowledge that this has taken an innocent life. What can we do about this? Amen. If you've had an abortion, I know today could have touched on some very painful things for you. And, um, you know, my heart's not to bring you pain. But I want you to know Jesus knows where you are. And he's here to forgive you, to cleanse you. And if you've got pain from doing that, you know, I would just encourage you, don't go, but I had to do this. Just bring it before God and say, God, I... I did it. I'm I'm sorry. I, if if deep in your heart you know that's wrong today and you feel the conviction and you've come to that point, just ask God to forgive you. He'll so forgive you of that. And let me say this. Those of you who've had abortions, you've given your life to the Lord, you're going to see your children in heaven. I believe they're probably going to be some of the first ones you see. They're not going to condemn you. They're not going to be upset at you. They're not going to say, why would you do that? You know what they're going to do? They're going to come give you a big hug and say, we are so glad. And you might want to even feel like saying, I'm sorry about that. And they're going to go, oh, no, mom, don't even think about it. We've just been so glad to see how you came to God and now your life changed. And we are so happy. That's not even a, even a big deal to us. We don't we're not we're way past that. We're just so glad you're with us now. So that's what awaits you in heaven. So I want to pray with you if you need healing. That's what we're going to pray today for and for a healing in our nation. So, um, Father, we just want to come to you today, Lord, and we need so much healing in our nation. And um, abortion has produced so much more pain in our nation, and it's ended up producing like a curse, so much division and ang anger. And it's it's just changed over the generations and gotten more and more in depth, and more and more accepted. And God, we just ask you, Lord God, for the light of God to help us. Help us to see truth. Help us to love one another as we're working through these things. And God, help your people to stand up for truth. And Father, for those that are here today, that are listening today, that have had abortions, I just want to encourage you. Just You can just say before the Lord, just unto God, like, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Lord, you see the pain in my heart. Lord, I just pray you forgive me for that. God, maybe you knew what you're doing. You knew sh you shouldn't. Maybe it's sort of coming to your mind now. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I, I don't feel good that I did that. And I can see how that was a life that would be here now. God forgives you completely to the depths, the very depths of who you are. You confess that before God and bring it before God, even right now. I want you to know God so wants to just take that pain out of you, take that any difficult memories out of you and restore your life completely. And he wants you to be absolutely aware that you're going to have an eternity 
not only with him, but with the children that you've aborted because they were innocent when they were aborted. I believe they go to be directly in the presence of God. So, Father, we thank you for doing a good work and bring, making whole each person that's had the pain of abortion that they've gone through in situations, some of them such bad, bad situations in life. They can't even figure out things. Lord, I just pray for the grace just to go. I can't even figure it out, but God, I just want to be forgiven. I just want to move forward. Lord, I just ask for that grace this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for the healing of our nation. We pray truth would come forth. We pray the grace of God would come forth. We pray that the little children would be protected and be honored and seen for who they are. Lord, they don't have a voice. They can't speak up for themselves. And Lord, we pray that for every person that is speaking up, God, please give them courage and also love. Help them, God, to say things that need to be said respectfully and lovingly. Help us all say what needs to be said so that truth can come and that so people can begin to see things differently. Lord, please heal our land. You said if we confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways of what we've been doing, then you'd heal our land. Lord, we thank you for you getting involved and turning things in our land, turning things in our laws, turning things, God, to where they represent you again and what you want, even though we may not personally understand everything. God, we ask you this now, Lord, and we're committing our lives to you and the future of our nation to you. Lord, may grace be on this nation in this time of turning. Grace in so many dimensions and divisions and in all areas, God, please let there be grace there. We ask this now, Lord, grace, grace, grace on us. Grace on our church. God, bind us together in Christian love. Bind us together. And Lord, use us for your glory in this earth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.